Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? All right, we got two people in the audience. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Well, we're so glad that y'all are here with us. Let's stand and worship. Hope erupting, darkness shaking, faith is rising. We know, we know, we know. Heartbeat racing, living in your freedom. Joy overflowing. We know, we know, we know. is alive. Y'all believe that this morning? This is what it sounds like. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like when the church is alive. Our hope forever is the name of Jesus. We are free and you are with us. The church is alive, the church is alive, and our hope forever is the name of Jesus. We are free and you are with us. The church is alive, the church is alive. This is what it sounds like. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. When the church is alive This is what it sounds like This is what it looks like This is what it feels like When the church is alive Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good. It's great to see you. My name is Dylan, and I'm the worship 
director here. Uh, it's going to be a great morning. That song that we just sang together is called The Church is Alive, and it actually goes with our brand new series that we're starting today. So you guys can take a quick seat, and I'll tell you just a little bit about that. The series is actually called How to Change the World, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the question, how do we make a difference in the world around us? And here at Springwell, we just believe that God uses us, He uses His people to make a difference in the lives of those around us. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the process that we believe that God has called us to uh, together as a church uh, to help people move from just attending church to actually going out and being the church in our surrounding community and in the world around us. So we're really excited about that. Uh, before we actually continue in worship this morning, we're going to go ahead and receive our offering together. Uh, if you attend regularly, then you know that there are many different ways that you can give here at Springwell. Uh, you can give by texting the number that's going to be on the screen in just a moment. You can also give using our kiosk out in the lobby after the service today. Or you can give the old-fashioned way, which is giving in the black giving bucket when it comes down your row here in just a second. Uh, so let me pray for us, and then we're going to receive our offering together this morning. Uh, Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for just another day to wake up, Lord, to have life. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning. Uh, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for just who you are. Father, you are our creator. Uh, Lord, you give us life. Lord, everything is yours. And Lord, as our provider, as our sustainer, God, you give us everything that we could ever need. Lord, you're always providing for us. God, thank you for the love that you have for us each and every day. God, thank you that your grace and your mercy is new every single day when we wake up. And Father, we just ask that you would bless this time. Lord, remind us of how blessed we are as we give this time to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're sitting on the left end of your row, then you can pass the black giving bucket at this time.
求。
That was like, you know, but if you're spring well, we go, woo, woo, right? That's what I'm talking about. This is, this is what we do. This is why we do what we do. Lives that have been changed by the power of, uh, of God. I mean, it, 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 Jesus is real. Hello, are you with me? He, he's real and he's alive. And, and, and this thing that we do is not just about showing up at church on a Sunday morning, but it's, it's literally seeing God work in people's lives. And those, those lives have been radically changed by his power. And the cool thing of it is, is that we just get to be a little part of that. And so we get to celebrate things like that. I'm pretty excited. Are you? You're not got me convinced yet, really. Um, and some of these people, you just should, if you just knew their stories, like, like Brenda Messer, you didn't know Brenda, but Brenda Messer, uh, you know, what you don't know is, is years ago, uh, uh, not long after we started Springwell, I would gather our staff together as we, as we finally developed the staff, and, and I would challenge them. I said, you know what, we got to get outside the four walls of the church. It can be easy for us as a staff just to become comfortable with the people inside the church, and, and it's, we can't do that. It's not who we are. It's not what we're about. And so I would challenge them to have a seeker. And so Cindy Howard, who was our children's minister at that time, our children's pastor, she was, she was that person who Brenda was her FedEx lady. And so she said, you know, there's this lady, she comes in, and she, her name is Brenda, and, and I just want to you know, just build a relationship with her and earn the right over a period of time of just being able to share Jesus with her. And, and so we would pray for Brenda every single week. And I don't know if you saw in Brenda's story, you may not remember, but one of the things that she said was that she showed up and she had no idea the people had literally, we'd been praying for for, I don't even know, months, I guess. Maybe even a year before she came the very first time. And how about Dylan? Did you know Dylan? The Dylan was just one of those people that we reached out to. He, we didn't like, we weren't on a search for, you know, creative arts director. We weren't looking for a praise and worship guy. But we found 
Dylan as somebody invited him to church. I loved what happened a few weeks ago. I was with our staff, and we were in a meeting um, one afternoon, and, and I said, I want you, tell, me, tell me our mission. I don't want you to give me the mission statement, okay? That, that would be, I want you, in your own words, share with me our mission and our vision. Share with, tell me who you are. And then here's the thing. I want to know how that applies to you. And Dylan, oh, my gosh, he, he shared. He said, I'm one of those people that was reached by the ministry of this church. Man, lives that have been changed. That's why you do what you do. It's because of the power of Jesus. I'm just saying. Today we're going to start a brand new series on how to change the world. How to change the world. And I'm sure that uh, some of you are probably thinking, man, good luck with that. You know, Some of you you might be thinking, and I hope you don't need me because I can't change me. Much less, you know, trying to change the world. I want to show you a passage of Scripture that I hope and pray will change your perspective on that. I love the book of Acts. And i got to be honest, you know, I know that chapter 4 and 5 and 6 is really good, but man, just the first couple of chapters caused me just to read and just to, just to soak it in. And just, just, I dream, I dream with this passage. Acts chapter 2, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, and there you have it. He answered all the world's problems. It's long sermons. That was a nervous laugh, wasn't it? That was a nervous laugh. You go. Some of y'all ain't saying squat. Anyway, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly encouraging, urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked, this perverse, this nasty generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized in about three that's pretty. 3,000 people are added to the church, and this is his first sermon. It was good because it was long. Just can't quite get y'all in there with me, can I? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Obviously, this was not a Southern Baptist group. As Baptists, we've never agreed on anything. Have we? They were filled with a sense of uh, awe, with the many signs and wonders. They had everything in common, and they sold their property. Crazy bunch of people. Crazy bunch of people, man. They sold their property and possessions to give any, to anyone who had a need. You, you can't make this up. This, this is crazy stuff. That these people were meeting from house to house. They loved being together. What God was doing was so incredibly unique that nobody had to preach on tithing and giving and money. It's just simply that when these people got together and they saw that there was a need in their house, they just sold what they had to make sure that needs were met. Come on. Who would want to be a part of a church like that? I'm not done. Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts every day. It's not like if Sunday was not enough for these guys. They loved to be together so much. What they experienced was so sweet. They said, man, are you kidding me? Sunday? It's not enough. They broke bread in their homes, which is my favorite part of the whole passage. All the overeaters said, Amen. 
And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number every single day. He added to their number those that were accepting this crazy message that they preached. That there was a man named Jesus and he was the Son of God and he died on the cross but three days later he was raised from the dead. Every single day as they preached this message, people were being saved. I've read this probably thousands of times over the years. When I get discouraged, honestly, if I get discouraged, I go back to Acts. When I get discouraged, I go specifically to this particular passage. And it's, what's amazing to me is that we're lives were, were being radically changed every single day. And wait for it. And the leader of the movement was dead. If you want to kill a movement, kill the leader of the movement. If you want to defeat a country, defeat the leaders of the country. Take the leader of the country out. If you want to defeat an army, take the leader of of that particular army. Take him out. And everybody else just falls to pieces. And that's what they thought. But the thing is, Matthew 28 says this, After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. That will get your attention right there. Hello, are y'all with me? Are y'all so spiritual? That will get your attention right there. I'm just saying. Like if you woke up in the morning and at the foot of your bed there was an angel sitting there, you're pretty much listening to what he's got to say, right? His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Why are you looking here? He's not here. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, and I love this. That's what he says. Come and see the place where he was laid. Does that sound familiar? Over the past few weeks, we've looked at the same kind of language as these early followers of Jesus didn't try to debate with people. They didn't try to argue with people over the resurrection of Jesus. They simply said, just come and see. Just investigate. That's all you have to do. I'm not going to talk you into anything. The power of God is real. Jesus is real. Just come and see. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now what was happening in the early church was happening in the early church because of the resurrection. Help me out just a little bit. It was happening because of the resurrection. That was their message. You do understand that was their message. Their message was, was, I know that Jesus looked as though he was defeated. I I, I know that it looks like that the Jews got their way and he was crucified on a Roman cross. It was a horrible death. And I know that it looks like that what we stood for all those those three years, the, the leader that we followed, I know it looks like he's been defeated, but here's the thing, he's alive. And we've seen him. And over 500 witnesses saw that Jesus was not dead. See, the leaders thought that they could kill the movement by killing the leader of the movement. They just didn't count on the leader of the movement being raised from the dead. Now, this is pretty good stuff, right? I got some of you excited, a few of you. A few of you that are church people are going, Woo! Preach it, right? I mean, man, this is good stuff. But what, what about those that maybe are thinking, you know what, sounds pretty sweet, but it's really kind of just a bunch of religious stuff. 
Well, I guess what you Christians do at Easter, I mean, you know, you're going to celebrate his birth at Christmas and then Easter. Y'all get all jacked up and excited and you have celebratory music on Easter Sunday and he's alive and that's great. And it's good for those of you that, you know, are kind of like in the religious world, but what about me in the non-religious world? Like, what did Jesus do for the non-religious world? I'm glad you asked. Most people don't have any idea how much Jesus and the movement that followed him influenced education. Hello. Education. No kidding. The rise of universities, the movement for universal literacy. That literally with Jesus was not this dumbed down kind of religion where people could not think, but where people were actually educated and encouraged to learn. Did you know that Sunday school, which for Southern Baptists is like the hour before the worship hour on Sunday mornings, that most people that attend the worship hour in a Southern Baptist church on a Sunday morning don't go to? You know that hour? You know what I'm talking about? They call it Sunday school, right? And it's where, for those of you that don't know anything about that, it's just where small groups usually graded by age, we just meet to kind of learn the Bible. Sounds like a lot of fun, right? A lot of folks don't attend, but did you know that originally, they were literally schools. Did you know that? Did you know that the reason they're called Sunday school is because they were places where poor children could learn to read? Go check it out. Just go home this afternoon and just Google it. Just check it out on your own. By the mid-19th century, Sunday school attendance was near a near universal aspect of all, of, for, for childhood for all kids. I love this part. I got this right off the internet. It's got to be true. Even parents who did not regularly attend church themselves generally insisted that their children go to Sunday school. Working class families were grateful for the opportunity to receive an education. See, there were, there were these poor farmers that had large families, and they had kids because they needed help on the farm, right? And so they, they would have these big families, and so they would encourage their kids, you've got to stay home and help mom and dad. You've got to help us work in the fields, and we've got to raise up our crops. And so they didn't have the opportunity to go to Sunday school, to go to school. And so what these churches decided to do was to have Sunday school on Sunday morning and help teach these poor kids how to read. It's phenomenal, isn't it? I think so. Did you know that Jesus changed how we view children so much that one book that was written on the topic is simply entitled, When Children Became People? Study the time of the New Testament. Children had no rights. And worse than children were women. Women had no rights. And yet when Jesus came on the scene, he completely changed how we looked at human dignity. Suddenly Jesus said, People have value. All people matter. Women matter. Children matter. Humility and forgiveness weren't even considered anything. They didn't even have a word for humility in the New Testament. Literally, in, in Philippians, you've heard me say this before, when he, there's that chapter 2, that when there's that word humility, when, it, when it's given, Paul's making up a word. There's no word in the Greek for humility because they didn't understand it. And then he said, oh, you know what, I know that you don't understand the word, so let me give you the example. It was Jesus was the perfect example of humility. 
although he was God, did not regard equality with God as something to be held on to or grasped. But let it go. He let his godness go in order to serve and love people. What did Jesus do for the world? His influence on the art is so pervasive that even though no one knows what he looked like, he's the most recognizable man in the world. It's crazy. You really want to get a perspective of that? Just visit Europe. Everywhere you turn in Europe, those cities that did not believe, everywhere, Rome. <clears throat> Rome is filled almost on every street with a cross. That points people to Jesus. See, it doesn't really matter what your opinion of religion might be, Jeff. Jesus left a wake that still spreads ways. He quite literally changed the world. He changed an unbelieving world. He had an impact on a world that maybe doesn't even recognize it. Him for being who he is. He still has had an impact on the world that we live. Every time you look at a hospital, you'll know that that's the imprint and the fingerprint and the thumbprint of Jesus. How did he do it? It was his supernatural power, right? <laughs> this Sunday morning, what do you expect? It's more than that. The thing that's so amazing, we talked about it for the last four weeks when we looked at these these disciples, remember? We looked at these little-known disciples. These disciples that literally, when you look at them, you got Philip, who's a Jew, who had a Greek name that means lover of horses. It's just weird. You can say it. you got to scratch your head and think, really? You're going to change the world, and you're going to use somebody like Philip? He wasn't even a good Jew. I mean, you know, you need a Jewish name. And then, and then Philip, who was found by Jesus, went and found his buddy. Nathaniel or Bartholomew, which is it? He's got two names, and that confuses us, right? And then you, have, then you have Andrew. Andrew, who found Jesus, who went and told his brother, Peter, I found the Messiah. So when you look, when you, when you look at Scripture, the most amazing thing to me is God changed the world through ordinary people just like us. Ordinary people just like us who, who found Jesus, and then they went and told somebody else. That's just it. They just went and told somebody else. They told a brother. They told a friend. They told maybe somebody they worked with. It was just one person telling another person who told another person who told somebody else about Jesus. And that's how this church has grown over the years. We haven't done what a lot of churches do, and we haven't had this campaign. We've just, just been one person, one person like stood on the stage this morning who has a story to tell that says, my life has been changed by Jesus. Just come and see. I, I don't even know how to explain it all, but I know that my life has been changed. Ordinary people who've been used by God to do the most amazing thing. They didn't send an email or a text. They didn't call them on the phone. Not these disciples. They didn't have all that. It's crazy. How did they do it? How can you grow a movement like Christianity in the time in history when it happened? 
There was no radio or TV announcement. One person just told another person who told another person to come and see what I found. It's crazy. So are you tracking with me? Life changing, life, the life transforming message of Jesus has been changing and impacting the world for over 2,000 years as God has used ordinary people just like us to just share the message. But i got to be honest. It's more than just a message. There's more to it than that. It, it's, it's more than a talking head on a Sunday morning who just says he's alive. It's more than that. It was how these guys lived out their life. It's how they lived their life. Did you, did you follow that at all in Acts, that there was a need and they just sold their possessions to meet those needs? And there were people that were outside the church and then went, wow, look, this is crazy. I mean, these people are selling what they have just so that somebody else can have. And, and they're meeting together every day. I mean, you think, crazy. I don't even like going to church on Sunday. These people are meeting every stinking day. Now, they're breaking bread. That's probably what, you know, the buffet was what was you know, getting them in, right? No, it was the beauty of community, the power of community. It was how they lived their lives. that caused people that were outside the church to go, There must be something to this Jesus stuff. I mean, there's no other way that you can explain it. People have value. All people, they loved everybody. The spread of Christianity, hospitals grew as a part of the church's mission. Go back and study that. Just look at that. How back in the New Testament days, if someone was sick, they would take them out to, a, to, the, uh, to the city gate and just, and just leave them there. <laughs> You're going to die. Bye. You're going to die. Bye. Maybe it was a wrap. I don't know. And they walked off and left those people with no compassion whatsoever. And then suddenly Christians said, wait a minute, those, those people need to be loved and nurtured and cared for. And they just did it. So people on the outside said, whoa, resurrection, yeah, it must be real. So if what happened in the Bible is ever going to happen in our world, then we're going to have to do what they did, and one person's going to have to tell another person who will tell another person who will tell another person. It's really just that simple. And we're going to have to live it. We're going to have to live it out. I hope that if you come here and you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that there are days when I make you incredibly uncomfortable. And if you're not serving, if you're not doing, I hope I make you really uncomfortable. Because it's more than showing up and getting a dose of religion on a Sunday morning, but it's, a, it's about having a relationship with Jesus that so changes your life and your perspective on the world that you will love the people around you. So let me tell you what you can count on as you invite your friends to come and see every Sunday. You can count on us to share messages that are based on the Bible. I feel a huge responsibility to help for people to help people have a better understanding of, of God and the church. And we use the Bible to do that. In fact, you know my deal. Today's a little bit different than normal, but for normal for me, I don't do outlines. 
In fact, we did a survey a few years ago, and somebody said, I just wish Scott would do an outline. I just try to walk you through a passage of Scripture. Basically, that's just what I do. I mean, we use the Bible. I was on the golf course a couple of years ago, maybe, and I was by myself that day. It was a good day. <laughs> I could cheat. Who's going to tell? You know what I'm saying? And so there was, a, there was a twosome in front of me, and so sometimes they would slow down a little bit, and so I would hit four or five balls. I was playing best ball with myself. You understand what I'm saying? I was like under par for the day. It was a great day. The power of God was all over me. I mean, I'm just saying it was awesome. You know, if I hit one and slashed it in the woods, I said, that's okay. Let's tee it up again. I believe in grace. And uh, things were going good, and, and, and suddenly I, I came around this little curve. I thought I'd give them plenty of time. I knew that the next, uh, the next hole was a par three, and, and I, I thought I'd give them plenty of time. I know they're gone. I pulled around, and there they are. I slammed on brakes. And w- one of the guys, an older guy, he said, come on. I said, I don't like people. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that. I was thinking that, but I didn't say it. No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, so I, I said, no, y'all go ahead. I really, I'm just, by my, it's, it's okay, I'm by myself. And then I thought, they probably recognize that I'm the pastor at Springwell, and this won't be good. They'll think I don't like people. And so I thought, okay. So I went up, and, and we started this conversation. and found the other guy was a pastor. I recognized who he was. And, and he said, You're, don't you pastor Springwell? And I said, yes. And we started this conversation. And he said, I'll tell you what, people today, you just can't get unchurched people in church. Well, that's not true. <laughs> really? I said, yeah, really. 50% of the people that attend this church are people that haven't been to church. In fact, 30%, 36% of that 50% have never been to any church of any kind. I mean, they ain't got any kind of religion. Are you with me? I mean, they're religionless. I mean, they're really good for Springwell. I mean, they don't have any idea or concept at all. About another 14 to 16% would say they haven't been to church in the last 14, 15, 16 years. That's 50% of our people. They said, well, I'll tell you right now, they don't want to hear the Word of God. God. And you got to got to lean when you know what I'm talking about. you got to get up on the balls of your feet and lean in. And I said, actually, I disagree. He said, really? I said, yeah. They don't want me just to holler and scream at them every Sunday. I said, but the people that we reach are actually people that are very interested in the Bible. I'll tell you why, because they want to know that there's a foundation, a basis for what we believe. And, and so it's, it's, it's really interesting that when I go to the Bible, they go, really? Nobody ever told me that before. I went, yeah, I know the Bible's so cool. It's, it's filled with so much incredible information, and we just try to sort through of what's really in the Bible, what really is just nothing but tradition. I mean, what we've been doing for years, it really has no biblical foundation whatsoever. And we try to sort through all that, we, and they love it when we give them the Bible. Let me share this. Let me share this little verse with you, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, one translation, he says, through the foolishness of preaching, it's not my favorite verse. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Well, let me tell you what, you need to study that passage. You need to look at that Greek word preaching because it's not, it's not the Greek word that would mean to preach, to propagate the gospel. Really, it means this particular Greek word that's used has to do with the content of the message. Are you with me? That it is the foolishness of the gospel itself. Because to people who hear the gospel, they go, what? 
So like God who created the universe would stoop so low that he would come down to earth like as a human with human frailties. Is God and human like all at once? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're saying. And that he would come down for the purpose that he wants a relationship with people like us? Yeah, that's exactly the truth. That's crazy talk. <clears throat> Why would God want a relationship with fallible people like us? Well, he does. And he so loved this world so much that he sent his son. His son so loved this world that he was willing to go to the cross and on the cross die and pay the penalty for all of our sin. And then on the third day he was raised from the dead. And they would say, that's foolishness. And we say, but it's the truth. And it's life changing. You can count on us to make sure that we go to the word to the best of our ability. And then we break it down for you to the best of our ability because I believe that people want to hear the truth out of the Bible. You can count on us to do our very best to connect and to communicate that truth by using modern Christian music, secular music, multimedia, and any other creative art form that God leads us to use. It's that secular music part that from time to time has just tripped people up. Let me tell you why we do it. We do it because we're convinced that you matter to God and we want you to hear the dangerous message of His love. And we'll use any ways that we, any way that we can for you to hear that message. There's probably a seasoned Christian out there. You're probably feeling a little hot. They're thinking, whoa. Brother, is this biblical? Actually, it is. Do you think God is pleased when you use secular music in church in a worship service? Actually, I do. And I have a verse for you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Our heart is to always be within the boundaries of Scripture. But we've used some stuff over the years that have caused some Christians to stand back and to think. I'll never forget a few years ago, true story. Uh, we were doing an Eagles song on a Sunday morning. I believe we were doing Hotel California. And uh, I, was, <laughs> I was on vacation. <laughs> I mean, I ain't that stupid. You know what I mean? So I remember I got a phone call. I was preaching when I came back. I was going to preach that Sunday, and I wanted to use that song, and it was my suggestion. And so the worship leader was on a Thursday night, and he went in to share the music, of course, and, and one of the band members was just, it was just irate. He said, I cannot believe we're going to use Hotel California. Do you know where that came from? And he went through the whole nine yards about Hotel California, and he said, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know exactly how Scott's going to use it, but he's going to use it on a Sunday morning. And he said, well, I'm not, I won't be a part of that. I'm not going to have any part of that secular music. Especially Hotel California. So he called me. He said, what do I do? He said, well, tell him he doesn't have to play. He, he doesn't have to play. I, I really do. I thought, I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. I, I think this is what we need to do for Sunday morning. So I showed up that Sunday morning. I didn't know exactly, honestly. I wasn't exactly sure what else I would see. And that guy was here. Again, I'm not stupid, so I didn't say a word to him before the service. You know what I'm saying? I, he was over this side of the church. I was over here on this side of the church. After the first service was over with, he, he came to me. And I thought, okay, I'm take it, big boy. Just stand here and take it. He had these 
eyes that were puddled with tears. And his tears streamed down his face. He said, I am so sorry. I could not imagine how you could take that kind of a song and use it in a church service on a Sunday morning. But I had no idea. Because that Sunday morning he watched as people gave their life to Jesus. As we took a secular song and made a connection. And you just got to hear me say, I don't give a rip. If God can speak through a jackass in the Old Testament, I think there's hope for me today. You know what I'm saying? And I think that God can use any means. Does that mean we don't pray about it? My gosh, we pray about it. Absolutely we pray about it. But I'll do anything I can to engage with the hearts of people that are far from God and need a clear picture of who God is. You can count on, on us to use all kinds of stage lights to create the kind of atmosphere where you can connect with God. And believe me, we have been criticized a time or two over the years for doing so. My question to the critics has always been this. Have you ever seen a sunrise? Or a sunset? Have you ever, like yesterday, have you ever looked up in the sky and been blown away by the, by the beauty? How blue it is? Have you ever maybe laid on your back on a starry night and looked up at the sky and been blown away by the beauty of it? If you have ever at any point in time in your life been blown away by the creation of God, then you understand why we do what we do. I'm not God, but I have been created in the image of a creator God. And so we will use lights and sound and any, any multimedia that we can all to create an atmosphere to be able to introduce you to God himself because we believe that that's exactly what God has done. For me personally, when I was far away from God, I would be blown away by nature. And in nature, I could see the awesomeness of his power. And so what we do on a Sunday morning, and, and I'm so sorry that it's changed. I know that over the years, it's just been one church trying to do another church by outdoing them with another show on a Sunday morning. It's a one church spending millions of dollars on, on lights and sound and another church who only has thousands of dollars and those churches competing with each other. We never ever had that in mind. That's not why we did what we did. We just literally dreamed a dream and we said, God, how can we use the technology that you've given us to be able to create on a Sunday morning the atmosphere where people come face to face with God? You can count on us to get as creative as we possibly can. I'll never forget this. Uh, a few years ago, there was a couple of families that were visiting the church and had the opportunity to take one of the guys to lunch one day. And uh, we were at California Dreaming. I thought that was a big deal. <laughs> and so we were California Dreaming, and right there over my salad, he looked at me and said, I know, I know what y'all do. I know what you're doing. You got me. What? 
He walked me through the Sunday before. He walked us through the service. He said, well, you started with this song, and then you did this, and you had that, and then you did some multimedia thing, and you did this. He said, I, listen, I watched, and so I watched how there was a thread. There, there was a theme through everything that you did. And wow, you guys go through a lot of trouble to put those services together like you do. And, and I said, you're right, we do. We take weeks sometimes to plan those services. I said, do you know why? He said, why? I said, because God is crazy about people like you. And we're just doing everything we can. We would go through all that trouble because you matter to God. You can count on us to pray over every method, every avenue, every creative way to communicate His love. Because we've been changed by His love. It's what we believe in. It's who we are. Last Sunday, man, it was so cool for me. Got done with the message, and I was walking over here, and Brian was coming up after to do whatever they do. I teared it out. Uh, announcements. I know. Kind of. And uh, so, so he came down here, and so he told me, he said, oh, man, let me tell you, let me tell you who I know accepted Christ this morning. And so he told me, and he was giddy. He was so excited. And, and I was excited that he was excited. You know why I was excited? That he was excited because it's what matters. Somebody that we've been praying for. He, he, he watched it. Watch that person cross over that line of faith. You can count on us to provide a warm, friendly, loving atmosphere uh, for your friends. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, that's not saying that we're going to be little gods. It's just saying that he wants us to reflect his image. That's, that's, that's what he's saying. He wants us to reflect his character he wants us to think the way that he thinks and acts the way that he acts and feel the way that he feels. And he wants us to love the people that he, that he loves. He wants us to reflect him. So that's the reason that there are greeters in the parking lot, even at the 9 o'clock service. When it's not like the 9 o'clock service, is, the parking lot is going to be full. That's, that's not why they're there. They're not just there to help you find a parking space. You know what I pray every single week? Is that when somebody, when, they, when their tires, when it just rolls over on our property, it's like, Rolling into the promised land. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean, if they just they feel something. Even for people that don't even understand who God is yet. They don't have that concept. But those people, and people have told us it's been crazy. People said, I, we just pulled on the parking lot. And we just felt like, boy, there's something different here. <clears throat> and then you know what? You'll walk up on the patio and there'll be signs, welcome home. And, and these signs that are there to make people feel welcomed and important and loved. And there'll be people on the patio, and then there's people at the doors, and there's people when you come in. <laughs> are, you getting, are, you, are you feeling me? And then there's people when you come in that'll help you find a seat. Why would we do that? Because we want you to feel the love of God. Smiling face. We don't try to overwhelm you with conversation. We're not trying to get you, you know, credit card information, you know. In fact, we'll get up and take up an offering and say, don't give. Friends didn't invite you here today to get money from you. We want you to experience Jesus. If you have children, you're going to be led over to our children's facility and you're going to be greeted by people over there that are as equally excited to see you as we are over here. And 
And then you're going you're gonna, to, hopefully what you'll, you'll learn quickly is that your child is the most important person in the room. And that they matter and that we go through all kinds of trouble, extreme measures to teach your child on a level that they'll understand on a Sunday morning. We make sure that they're safe and they're loved and they're cared for. You come back on Sunday night, there'll be same, those same greeters that will be here to greet you as you bring your teenager for youth ministry. So I'm just saying that when you invite your friends, when you ask them to come and see, you can expect us to do everything that we possibly can to introduce them to Jesus. So I have to ask you this question if you're a follower of Jesus. Are you reflecting his character? Are you a reflection of his love? God uses ordinary people like me and you. Nothing special about me. I certainly don't consider myself a great communicator. If I I was in a church on a Sunday morning, I'd I'd love you back row people. Man, that's where I'd be. I'd be on the back row. I'd probably be the quietest person in the room. I'd do what I'd do because it's a call on my life. And when I step into this role, God just does his thing. But it's not, I'm not the, always the life of the party, you know? God just wants to use ordinary people like me and you to just to show the incredible love of Jesus to people that are desperate to hear and that want to see and know that it's real. That Jesus is alive and that he lives in our hearts and we are still blown away by the fact that he loves us. How about you? So as a follower of Jesus, are you serving anywhere? Or do you just show up on a Sunday morning, find a place, park it? That's your rear end. Are you serving? And if not, how come? Why aren't you serving? What's your excuse? not want to be a part of this incredible thing that God's doing. To be like Jesus. Jesus says, I don't do anything of myself. I, I just look for where my father's at work and I just join him there. Okay. We have the most phenomenal, life-changing stories here of any place I know of. And it's just the power of God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then I hope this morning that you've been blown away that there would be a church that would go to so much extreme and it would run the risk of being ostracized and made fun of and criticized by other churches. Because we believe that you matter to God and you're important. And we will use any means that we can that God allows as we pray over be able to communicate the incredible love of God with you. The people that attend this church, you don't come to pat yourself on the back and make you feel good that you attended on a Sunday morning. The people that attend here, you're looking for a relationship that's real, genuine, and matters. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe the lights kind of come on for you spiritually speaking, and you went, wow, do you mean That's how important the love of God is? Absolutely. And maybe this morning, somehow, in the brokenness of this message, it's made sense to you. And spiritually, the lights are kind of coming on for you. And you would think, okay, how do I do this Jesus thing? I'm glad you asked. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed.
If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, and maybe you'd say, I want to I wanna be a follower of Jesus. I, I want that relationship with a God that would love me enough to give his life for me. And would pay them the price on the cross. And you know he's alive. You can't explain it, but you right now this thing that you feel is the Holy Spirit in this place. He's speaking to you and he's drawing you to himself. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this. Maybe you'd start off by just saying, God, thank you so much for a love that I, I, I don't know if I can comprehend it. It's too much to try to understand it. But I'm thankful for it. So this morning, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin on the cross. Thank you, Lord. I, I believe that you're alive and you're well. And I'm just asking you to forgive me. And, and from this day forward, I just want to commit my life to you. Thank you for your incredible love. Father, thank you, Lord, for as a church for allowing us to do what we do. Lord, thank you. I know for me personally, God, just as the pastor of this church, on those days when I have been discouraged and overwhelmed, and Lord, that I've been able to look at Scripture, and God, that you've opened my eyes to, to your love, what your love has been for me. And God, I just want to share that with as many people as I can. Lord, I figure if you could love somebody like me, who ran from you, who was angry with you, who didn't like you very much, and you pursued me still, Lord, there's other people like me out there that need to hear about your great love. Thank you for allowing us to do what we do. And it's in your sweet name that we pray.